Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show we happening the weekend of August 13th through the 15th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. Apologies for the super late episode this week. Uh, depending on how long it takes for me to edit this, I think it's going to come out on Thursday. Um, like I said last episode, I actually started a new job, full-time job this past Monday, so I'm definitely adjusting back to that lifestyle again and figuring out how to balance uh, you know, full-time working again with podcasts. Uh, I'm definitely still going to do my best to keep up with the weekly release schedule, though I can't say for sure it's going to be out every Tuesday for sure, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, In light of running late this week, let's just hop straight into the box office numbers, shall we? So first up on the domestic charts is Free Guy from 20th Century Disney and their first theatrical exclusive release since the pandemic started. Uh, It opened to $28.3 million in 4,165 theaters for a per theater average of $6,310. Box Office Pro had it forecasted for $20 million on the weekend, so this is a bit of an overperformance, all things told. Now, looking at this summer so far, it's by no means the biggest opening of non-horror films. Uh, It's a bit ahead of Cruella at $21 million, on par with the Squad, squads 26 million, below Space Jam at 31 million, uh, Jungle Cruise at 35 million, F9 at 70 million, and Black Widow at 80 million opening weekend. So again, it's not it's not like it's a massive return of people to the bot to the uh, theatrical by to the theaters by the general audience. Um, but why then are the trades and the industry so excited about Free Guy and calling it a big success? Well, first off, it's an original IP. Now, all those other films I mentioned were spin-offs or sequels to pre-existing IP. Uh, maybe you could argue that Jungle Cruise is a new franchise, but it is based on a theme park ride that already exists. So, sir, you could also argue that Ryan Reynolds, being Ryan Reynolds, is the brand that this you know film is kind of banking off of. But again, technically speaking, this is a brand new IP, which is increasingly rare in Hollywood. Um, the closest thing to an original IP opening this summer is Old from M. Night Shyamalan that opened to $16 million. So, without a pre-existing brand recognition to draw in general audiences, uh, in fact, you know, the, you know, this exceeded this exceeded those expectations, um, and the industry has hope. And you know, for Disney 20th Century, it looks like there may be a sequel in the works, as as confirmed by Ryan Reynolds on social media. which is the beginning of hopefully a, a profitable franchise for them, as they tend to do. Secondly, budget. Now, while all the other films um, made up to as much as three times as as Free Guys opening weekend, they also had larger budgets. Uh, Cruella is pretty similar at $100 million. Um, Space Jam at $150 million. Suicide Squad $185 million. And then F9, Black Widow, and Jungle Cruise at about $200 million each. Free Guy was a budget like Cruella of about $100 million. Now, honing in on the film with the closest opening weekend, The Suicide Squad, the fact that it had the same opening number Number, you know, 26 million versus 28 million, uh, but well, Suicide Squad had twice, had almost twice the budget, not counting marketing. Um, you know, and, and as I mentioned, Suicide Squad also had more brand recognition. That means that you know it has twice a long road to profitability, uh, which you know with the legs that it has, which we'll talk about later this episode, uh, won't be an easy one for the Suicide Squad. So, uh, you know, the free guy having a lower budget compared to you know these these other films, even if it made absolute less, that also means it has less to go to be profitable. And then thirdly, legs. So I found the post on the box office subreddit by Moonman997, uh, but he posted that since 2016, there's been at least one movie each summer, uh, each August, that had a 2% drop from its Friday total over to its Saturday total. I believe the Friday totals, including uh, the... 
I'm not sure if those include the Thursday previews or not, but um, in any case, all of those films end up having at least a 3x multiplier, and you know, which basically is a pretty decent legs for a film, especially in the quote-unquote dead month of August. Uh, Don't Breathe in 2016, uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard, also starring Ryan Reynolds in 2017, The Meg in 2018, Angel Has Fallen in 2019, and now Free Guy in 2021, obviously skipping 2020 for, for various reasons. Uh, in addition, box office gurus Gitesh uh, Pandya noted on Twitter how the low, how the lower the Friday and Saturday drops were, um, the the better the legs seemed to be for this particular summer. Uh, as an example, Cruella opened to six percent drop from Friday to Saturday, and and it's currently at about a four x multiplier over twelve weeks. Um, and in second week it dropped forty nine percent, though that is from Memorial Day weekend to uh, I know a normal weekend. Um, similarly, a Quiet Place Part Two. Um, you know, dropped 20, 22% from Friday to Saturday, um, and, it has, and it had a 59% drop in week two, higher than what Cruella did, and its multiplier is only 3.36x by comparison for the same 12-week period. Um, now, obviously, I can't compare, you know, what the multiplier is for all these other films just because they don't have the same 12-length time period. 12-week time period, but, uh, you know, Jungle Cruise at 9% had a 55% drop, Snake Eyes, uh, 55% drop in the second week, Snake Eyes Friday the Saturday of 18% led to a 70% drop in the second week, um, you know, uh, F9, 25% Friday the Saturday had a 67%, uh, you know, um, I have 67%, oh, 57% second week drop, uh, oh, sorry, 67% second week drop. Um, Suicide Squad, uh, you know, had a 32% Friday to Saturday drop, um, ended up having a 71% second week drop. And Black Widow had a 41% Friday to Saturday drop, um, ended up having a 68% second week drop. So you can kind of get a sense from those numbers that the lower the drops, you know, uh, you know, in the single digit range, you're probably going to have, you know, somewhere about a 50% is uh, drop in the second week, maybe a little bit better. Um, whereas the higher you are, the, clo- the more double digits you get from Friday to Saturday in terms of your drop, um, the closer to the 70% mark you get drop week over week. So, you know, uh, that that's basically uh, in the case and because Free Guy had such an amazing 2% drop from Friday to Saturday that it should maybe see potentially like sub 50%, maybe even fo- sub 40% drop uh, next weekend. Um you know, only time will tell, but things going for there also that has a pretty good cinema score of an A, uh, and it's also not releasing on Disney Plus uh, with Premiere Access that would ca- cannibalize its own numbers, unlike, you know, what, you know, these other films would have HBO Max or, or, um, or Premiere Access ended up having, uh, Cruella aside. Now, as far as international numbers go, um, it did open up to 22.5 million in 41 markets for an overall total of about 51 million dollars. Uh, Deadline has it pacing 9% above Cruella and 18% above Jungle Cruise in similar markets. Uh, Cruella so far has made 226 million worldwide since releasing, opened to 42.6 million worldwide its opening weekend. So about a 5.3x multiplier globally. Um, though naturally there were different rev shares abroad, such as China, meaning that you know it's not going to be as, not going to be as cut and dry as here in the States. Um, a similar 5.3x multiplier for Free Guy uh, worldwide, we put it at about $270 million globally and about $112 million domestically, which is, again, good news that it's over, and good news for that, it's actually already been approved for release in China later this year, um, and there also aren't any super big releases for the next couple of weeks um, before saying, gee, which gives it like a pretty nice one-way. 
Now, overall, Wolf Freeway may, again, not be the absolute highest numbers of the summer box office season uh, for its opening weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if, looking back at the end of the year, it was considered one of the three biggest successes uh, of the summer alongside A Quiet Place 2 and Cruella, at least domestically. Um, it launched at number one in the UK and Russia, um, the top two markets at 3.4 million and 2.9 million, respectively, um, among other reasons, among other reasons with open number one, and number two in Australia and Mexico. Uh, also, one last thing worth noting is that Free Guy, being a 20th century Fox production, is subject to a deal uh, with HBO that runs through 2022, meaning that it actually could, no, there was no choice for Disney to put it in Disney Plus, um, and it had to come out in theaters otherwise. Uh, consider this forecasting for later when we talk about coming to Disney Plus. Uh, okay, moving to second place, we have another new opening, Don't Breathe uh, 2 from Sony Pictures, um, sequel to the uh, 2016 horror film Don't Breathe. Um, this sequel opened to $10.6 million in 3,005 theaters, a per theater average of $3,535. Compared to the first film, which opened to $26.4 million domestically, definitely a step down, though. That's also just the effect of sequels in general. Um, and once again, it did beat out the $8.2 million by, from Box Office Pro for the weekend. Uh, Lastly, it opened to 3.4 million in 23 markets for a running total of about 14 million dollars all told. Uh, not bad for a 15 million production budget, um, which is fairly low as horror films tend to be. Uh, not much else to say here. Um, now, I guess it is worth noting that according to Deadline, the 18 to 34 demo carried both this and Free Guy, with 63% and 50% of the audience being in that 18 to 34 demographic range, suggesting that you know films targeting this younger uh, audience will tend to do a little bit better. Um, you know, which makes sense gen since generally they're the ones more willing to go out. You know, with the Delta variant around, this does work against the number four film. We'll, we'll come back to number three in a second. Uh, with respect, uh, the Aretha Franklin biopic starring Jennifer Hudson in the titular role, uh, which was 67% above 67% uh, made audience was made up of above 35 year olds um, so definitely not uh, definitely almost the inverse of what it looked like here um, for Free Guy and uh, Don't Breathe 2 uh, Respect opened to $8.8 .8 million in 3,207 theaters for per theater average of $2,746 just above the $8 million predicted by box office pros not much significance in the international market uh, so at a $55 million budget hopefully it has the legs to get there and or ends up getting some uh, awards nominations to get make it worth it for the studio. Now hopping back to number three, we have Jungle Cruise from Disney, dropping 42% in its third weekend. Last weekend was a 55% drop for comparison, uh, down to 9.1 million for the weekend in 3,900 theaters, per theater average of $2,339, and running domestic total of $82.2 million. Uh, so far, it's made $72.2 million internationally in 49 markets, running total of $154.4 million against its $200 million budget, topped outside the U.S. by the U.K., with 11.7 million and Russia at 7.4 million. Uh, definitely seems like a, a more family-friendly film that's going to have a little bit of better, better legs, um, even if it is appearing on Disney+. Plus. Now, rounding out the top five, we have The Suicide Squad, tumbling down hard in its second weekend domestically by a stunning 71%, as I mentioned earlier, to $7.4 million in 4,019 theaters, per through the average of $1,859, and a running total in week two of $42.6 million domestically. Uh, this is the second worst drop from all the HBO Max simultaneous releases, just 
barely behind uh, Mortal Kombat 73% drop, and also the worst second drop weekend for DC films ahead, um, you know, beating out Batman versus Superman's 69%. Um, it seems to be the case that the films available for day and date release, like Premiere Access or HBO Max, are the ones that are geared that that happen to be geared most toward fan audiences, you know, comic book fans or, or video game fans, tend to be the ones that have the highest number of viewership uh, in the first weekend, you know, Mortal Kombat uh, and Suicide Squad being the top two for uh, HBO Max, and then obviously Disney bragging about how many people bought uh, Black Widow for its opening weekend, but then as a result, uh, it ends up causing uh, numbers to drop further because, again, you have that high fan engagement early on, and then dropping that, dropping off after they've already seen it or spent their money on it. So um, I think that might be at play here with the Suicide Squad, and, all, and you know, to honestly might even explain uh, Free Guy and Cruella doing as not doing better legwise uh, since they didn't have that kind of like rampant fan desire to see it off the bat. Um, it's going to spread through word of mouth. Um, notably, in international markets where HBO Max is not currently available, such as Japan, Germany, Brazil, and Australia, um, this isn't an issue because you know the Suicide Squad, for example, in Australia dropped only 11% in its second weekend and is apparently have has good uh, word of mouth and is holding well in, in Japan. Um, so again, you know, this is a case where definitely you definitely while people say, oh, you know, people like HBO Max, like, you know, people, it tends to go with the audience. I think because of the specific nature of this film, it's causing it to be have, you know, a higher drop off as a result. Uh, which is the same, honestly, because as again, I, like I mentioned in my review last week, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad as a film. Oh, and then also internationally, uh, it's made, I believe, $75.4 million uh, internationally, um, which combined with the $42.6 million uh, puts it at about, uh, say, $120 million, a little bit sort, uh, sort of that uh, worldwide against, again, that $185 million production budget. Now, out of the top five, not too much interesting revenue-wise. Uh, the Green Knight lost a thousand theaters in its third weekend. Not surprising for a weird art house film, though. Uh, I thought, though, you know, apparently the day I'm recording this, it's also streaming for one night on a twenty-four site. Um, GI Joe, Space Jam, and Black Widow all also dropped a thousand theaters in their fourth, fifth, and sixth weekends, respectively. Uh, we also got Well Go USA releasing the number one film in China uh, right now, Raising Fire, starring Donnie Yen uh, in fifty-nine theaters for per theater. Average of $1,728 against $101,000 total. Overall, domestic box office sits at $75.5 million this past weekend, actually an increase from the prior weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, we have four wide releases. Uh, predictions below from the follow from the Box Office Pro's website. Uh, the Night House uh, from Searchlight is a psychological horror film forecasted to make $1 to $6 million. Uh, the Protégé, a martial arts film starring Michael Keaton, Maggie Q, and Sam L. Jackson from Lionsgate, is forecasted to make 3 to $8 million. Paw Patrol, the animated film from Paramount based on the super popular kids TV series, is forecast to make four to nine million dollars. Though there are indicators that there are strong pre-sales, uh, hinting at up to a twenty million dollar opening weekend, which would be frankly kind of hilarious if it ends up topping the weekend charts next week. Uh, and then finally, we have action mystery thriller Reminiscence, starring Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson, having a day and date release on HBO Max with a forecast of seven to twelve million dollars. I'm honestly a little bit sus with high how this one might be as it feels a lot like Angelina Jolie's uh, noir, you know, western, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which released earlier this summer to only $2.8 million as a simultaneous release on HBO Max, and that definitely seems like it's going for the similar demographic. 
Now, Air Nasly, not a whole lot going on. Uh, F9 it was, has legged its way over the $500 million Air National mark for $509 million total, $681 million total worldwide. Uh, in Canada, Cineplex is launching a movie subscription service like AMC's A-List, though uh, apparently this service called Cine Club is not quite as generous as AMC is. Uh, in Japan, there was a report that Japanese animation industry dropped 1.8% in 2020, which is the first drop in over a decade. Uh, in comparison, now, while, you know, it's, it's may not, now, well, that may seem impressive because, you know, 1.8% drop for an industry compared to, you know, when, um, when, when everyone else is dropping, you know, by double-digit percent in, for industries or, or even more, such as movies here. Um, you have to remember that also uh, in 2019, the anime industry was growing by about 15% year-over-year. So assuming it would have had the same growth had the pandemic not happened, this is close to like a 17% uh, expected drop, uh, which is more in line, but still impressive on that surface level, I guess, and just shows how much anime uh, is is still is, is get, becoming less and less niche. Uh, in addition, the final Evangelion film, which taught the Japanese box office when it came out uh, came out on streaming on Amazon both in Japan and worldwide and in Japan it broke the first day streaming records uh, for Amazon Prime and then also one fun stat uh, from the My Hero Academia anime film that's released over there apparently the audience for that is 75% women which may seem odd for a movie based on a comic from a young boy Sonin magazine unless you know the Fajosius and then finally, Warner Brothers Animation said that they are also going to start promoting anime after naming Jason DeMarco as the SVP of anime, which is a pretty cool title in and of itself. Imagine uh, Warner Brothers, they, imagine a company saying, oh yeah, we have the senior vice president of anime. Um, meanwhile, and then over in France, real quickly, uh, the winner of the Palme d'Or from Cannes, Titane, or Titan, uh, opened and kind of bombed, honestly, selling only 225,000 tickets compared to uh, fellow Palme d'Or winners Parasite, selling 1.7 million dollars in its opening weekend uh, and blue is the warmest color selling one million tickets in its opening weekend uh, the producer blames it mostly on the French covid vaccine pass uh, hindering attendance to the theaters though the other factor he's not mentioning is that reviews on france's equivalent of rotten tomatoes has it at a 2.9 out of 5 compared to parasites 4.8 or blue is the warmest colors 4.6 uh, moving to China real quick for the weekend, uh, the aforementioned Raging Fire made another 26.3 million US dollars, adding to its 122.8 million running total in its third weekend, dropping only 22% from last weekend. Also in its third weekend is the number two film uh, Upcoming Summer, making 8.5 million US with $48 million as its running total. Uh, in third place, the animated film White Snake 2, Green Snake, dropped an uh, incredible 2% uh, to $5 million for the weekend and $76 million running total for its fourth weekend. And then the first new film uh, for the weekend is in fourth place, the rom-com Lie Detector, uh, opening to 3.6 million US dollars. And rounding out of the top five is newcomer family drama, The Old Town Girls, opening to 2.7 million dollars. Now, news-wise, we talked about how Pixar, Luca, is actually going to be the first Hollywood film approved for China this coming weekend on the 20th. Uh, the first live-action Hollywood film looks like it's going to be Tom Holland's sci-fi film from earlier this year, Chaos Walking, which didn't do well here in the States, uh, opening in August 27th from Lionsgate. Uh, no notably, it was partially co-founded by a Chinese company, though it doesn't count for a domestic release. And it's also, you know, it looks like Lionsgate already got the full lump sum for the distribution rights. Um, so, you know... 
It's, it's basically a, a, a local company doing all the distribution, Lionsgate not doing anything for there. Uh, we also got confirmation that the aforementioned Free Guy and Amazon's Tomorrow War will be getting uh, a, a release in China after clearing the censorship board alongside Dune, which is notably a Chinese-owned company, from a, a legendary film, which is a Chinese-owned company. Still no word on Black Widow or... Um, Black Widow or Jungle Cruise, um, you know, to or or even Space Jam to see how they'll end up doing there. Uh, rumors were that actually China had offered a May release date for Black Widow, uh, which they turned down. So it might I don't know if they're ever going to get a release date for Black Widow at this point in China. So aside from box office numbers, there were also a couple of headlines uh, as well. Uh, first, it seems like the vaccine mandate for New York City, which would, I thought it was going to take place in September. But after being announced a few weeks ago, it looks like it's actually going to be taking. It took place in effect this past Monday. Uh, in addition, the LA City Council voted unanimously to implement a similar vaccine pass requirement for indoor businesses. And San Francisco follows the lead of local businesses already requiring a vaccine for admittance, uh, making it a citywide thing to visit theaters, among other indoor entertainment and dining. Um, and that's taking place uh, this coming weekend on the 20th in San Francisco. So I believe that's the three, it might be the three biggest markets for movies, um, which you know may have an impact on the on the box office in this coming weekend. That being said, uh, we do all see, also see all of these films having a stronger vaccination rates uh, compared to the rest of the country, um, especially compared to France also, where this kind of like was an issue as we just mentioned with Titan. Um, and I also imagine that, you know, because some private businesses were already requiring a vaccine, proof of vaccination, before coming in, um, this mandate may actually minimize that. Might, might since it's already following other businesses doing that, may not have as much of an impact as we think it might. Hopefully. Not to say that there's no impact, of course. Uh, while I spent the first five minutes of this episode talking about how Free Guys opening is not bad in all honesty, uh, the market is still weak to Delta. And, you know, with the vaccine mandates making it so that pe- kids under the age of 12, 12 and under will not be able to go into theaters uh, because there apparently are no exceptions for this vaccine uh, passport requirement, family-friendly films will definitely take a hit, I think. Uh, Paw Patrol, aside from this coming weekend, another big headline was that Sony sold Hotel Transylvania 4 uh, to Amazon for $10 million, sorry, $100 million to release. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to have the same October 1st release date. Now, the first three films made Sony Animation about $150 to $170 million domestically and between $380 to $530 million globally. Of course, that is gross versus uh, net to the studio before the theatrical split. Um, So, and, and, you know, given that, and and Sony still also gets the Chinese exhibition and home entertainment revenue from the deal. So it looks like a smart move from, from Sony, especially given that some of the creative talent uh, actually is not coming back for the fourth iteration of the film. Uh, I'm actually most interested to see if Adam's Family 2, uh, the ad- other animated film in October that's spookily themed coming from United Artists, will be making a similar move or not. And in longer range, I'm also interested to see how this is going to impact Encanto uh, for Disney. Uh, Disney. Um, Sony also made other changes uh, in their lineup by moving Venom 2 back a few weeks from September 24th to October 15th. Now, this feels like an attempt to try and skirt the worst of the Delta variant and any impacts of the vaccine passports that there might, happen, that there might be. Uh, though I'm not sure it'll pan out in the long run. Um, it now competes against Universal's Halloween Kills and comes the week after the new Bond film, assuming that sticks. There's also news that Venom 3 is apparently Tom Hardy's planning for it already, but not officially greenlit, but apparently they like, they like the sequel. Um, There's also no confirmation at this time yet, uh, despite speculation that Venom is crossing into the MCU. 
Now, one film that is not moving is actually going to be Shang-Chi, still set for Labor Day weekend, September 3rd. Um, Venom's moves also mean that ha- Shang-Chi has pretty much September, all of September to itself domestically. Now, there was some speculation that Disney would be moving the film you know, because of the weak climate for the box office, and even Bob Chapek said he kind of regrets having to release it uh, because of the poor box, of- uh, box office climate at the moment. But it, he did say that they are using it as an experiment, so to speak, or a data point for the premiere access or lack thereof strategy, which uh, I heard rubbed some of the stars a little bit way wrong that, you know, the, a minority-focused film ends up being the experiment. Uh, if you think about it, right, like this is a September, you know, a September release, which isn't the best period for box offices. Um, and in, in, in going back to Black Panther, that released in February, which was traditionally not a real big uh, time period for Marvel films at all, um, but it, it ended up being a big success. So, you know, while it does work out in the end and hopefully will work out here, it's still interesting to, you know, see that Disney is playing around more with these uh, minority-centric films. Uh, I wonder if they would have pulled the same thing with, say, like a Spider-Man or an Iron Man. Um, and in any case, um, so so Sang Chi already has had the red carpet released this past week. Um, tickets are now on sale for uh, the September 3rd release date. And pre-sale numbers suggest that it made a super strong $1.75 million opening weekend uh, You know, for in, within the first 24 hours for, for pre-sales. Um, the second most pre-sales of the pandemic behind Black Widow, which again opened the $80 million domestically and this is another $33 million from Premier Access in the U.S. So conservative estimates have it maybe top like, you know, $60 million, maybe $55 million from box office pros. I'm personally a little bit bullish. I could think this could, I could see this honestly catching up to where Black Widow ends, ends up being. Um, and I think it, it can do higher, though admittedly there is an Asian American bias there. Um, the one note on that, uh, the Asian American population actually is one of the most vaccinated populations in the U.S. Here in New York, 70 of Asian American adults have the vaccine uh, compared to something something like 65% of white New Yorkers. So uh, any vaccine mandates or whatnot, uh, I don't think will be a limiting factor uh, for people here. Though, again, we will see how, you know, the younger kids not being able to go and also not being available on Disney Plus will, will end up impacting this. Uh, going back to Sony real quick, I also saw them pushing, uh, you know, see them pushing Venom back as a way to potentially wait and see, right? See how um, Sanchi ends up doing, uh, you know, in its, open, in its opening weekend to see if a, a, a superhero film is able to work or if they need to push Venom back even further um, and potentially even Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, Disney did say they're putting Sanchi on Disney Plus after 45 days for the theatrical window, though we don't know whether that's Premier Access or for free. And while Sanchi is definitely still set for theaters uh, only, Kevin Feige later has been kind of core and medicine to discuss whether or not the Eternals will be in a similar situation. He did say that he and Chloe Zhao, uh, who's the director, preferred it to be a theatrical experience, but I didn't. But he didn't confirm whether it actually, in fact, would be. So again, I also think they are looking to see how Sang Chi does before making that call for um, the Eternals. Though you never know with Chapek. I feel he'll force it through if it'll, if it'll boost Disney Plus and his bonus. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Anyway, random tangent actually related to Chloe Zhao. Uh, she made comment about how she hopes everyone sees Dune on the big screen, and she's terrified that people won't. Um, while Dennis Villanueva says that he's optimistic that Dune Part Two will get made, after all, that's his condition for signing on. Um, and you know, he also said Zendaya would be the protagonist if that were the case. Um, you know, it's I, I. There was a sense that hey, maybe the, like Warner Brothers will give Dune a mulligan or a free pass, right? Like with a lot of other films here, like you know, you can't really count on the performance of like with a film. 
its true appeal was because of the Delta and because of the pandemic, obviously. Um, but, you know, he said he did say that if the film bombs, it, there, there may not end up being a sequel. So it, it depends on how much that, you know, that, that Mulligan leniency uh, um, benchmark is. We don't know what that number looks like internally for Warner Brothers to greenlight it, uh, the second, like second season. Um, you know, uh, the level of a bomb is TBD, right? Free Guy definitely didn't make a, a huge absolute number, but it still was relatively uh, a success. Um, I could see, though, perhaps, you know, maybe if there's a lot of awards recognition for Dune, uh, that might actually lower the barrier to greenlighting the sequel officially just to have that prestige. Now, back to other Disney news, Attacker Waititi has confirmed he's working on the Star Wars film now, and Brie Larson is currently in production for The Marvels, uh, the sequel to Captain Marvel. Um, and then Anthony Mackie also disclosed the deal for a fourth Captain America film. Um, and while we speculated that you know Emma Stone would be joining Scarlett Johansson in suing Disney over her Cruella's hybrid release, it looks like she won't actually be doing that as he confirmed a deal with Disney for Cruella 2. Uh, insider reports suggest that, one, she's getting uh, an eight-figure deal, so at at least 10 million, probably more, uh, for her new feature uh, compared to the $8 million uh, for her first film. And on top of that, she allegedly got another $8 million uh, make good, so to speak, to compensate for the hybrid release um, before she would file suit. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's how, that that's the impact of, of here where like, you know, it seems that maybe Scarlett Johansson's agent was just really savvy and, and basically telling this lady, look, we won't sue you. We just want to renegotiate the deal for Cruella 2, basically. Uh, Disney does have the cast to spare for all that, though. Uh, for the year 2021, they just hit $400 million domestically at the box office. Behind Warner Brothers, $442 million, though, you know, again, with Sanchi, The Eternals, potentially Spider-Man, I guess that goes to Sony uh, and Kanto as well. Um, they're, they're in prime position to be the number one uh, studio of the year and possibly the only billion-dollar studio domestically. Uh, this is also before Free Guy came out, so I, I'm sorry they're, 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 they're past Warner Brothers at this point. Uh, they also announced that they've hit 116 million dollar subscribers on Disney Plus globally in the recent earnings call, beating expectations. Uh, and then they also announced their international rollout plans for Asia for the rest of the year, including Japan, Hong Kong, and South Korea. Um, they also are going to have a Disney Plus prom promo day on November 12th, uh, probably telling us uh, what new films are going to be coming out in, uh, in, in the near or maybe even longer term future. Some other streaming news, uh, Paramount is breaking the 45-day theatrical window after the terrible performance of G.I. Joe, putting it on digital and VOD already. Same thing for The Green Knight, similarly, uh, coming to VOD and streaming this Thursday after the one-night virtual screening from A24 on the 18th. Uh, we also do have a confirmed date for the 10th penultimate Fast and Furious film coming in April 2023. Anyway, some last few headlines. Know what I've been watching this week since I haven't been watching a lot of movies. Uh, in the investor call, AM, in a recent investor call, AMC confirmed that, that they have a ticket price increase, um, on average about fifty cent increase nationwide to an average of ten fifty, as well as a concession price increase, and also having fewer showings per day um, to reduce the cost of running theaters late into the night. Um, late last showing being about eight p.m. In, in a lot of places. Now, while perhaps that's not as great for uh, consumers, it definitely means it's definitely meant to help build uh, investor confidence that they're cutting costs, uh, raising revenue to you know, be profitable for their shareholders. Uh, AT&T is an apparently talks to sell TMZ to Fox. Uh, not strictly box office related, but just again, another... You know, another mirroring of AT&T basically having mismanaged getting into the media business um, after choosing to spin off HBO Max a few weeks back, uh, as well as you know, finally finalizing that sale of Crunchyroll to Sony. 
And then last week, uh, we talked about the earnings reports of AMC and Cinemark. Uh, Cineworld, the owner of Regal, uh, came back this week with a first half revenue drop uh, from, 2019, from 2020 to 21%, 59% to be expected with half of that, you know, half uh, the second quarter basically being basically nothing. Though they did see a stabilization, they do forecast seeing a stabilization. Also, they announced of theatrical windows in 2022 between 20 to 60 days, basically that 45 theatrical window we've been seeing. Uh, there was also a leak from Sony about how that animated films from Spielberg, The Adventures of Tintin, uh, which Sony co-financed, actually ended up losing the money, which may explain why we haven't seen any work on a sequel for all these years. And then A24 looks like they actually hired a new CFO, JB Lockhart from the NBA, uh, which seems to be an indication that they are either looking to be acquired or acquire other companies of their own, uh, given his mergers and acquisitions experience. Um, in addition, he's still, I think, going to lean on him to grow A24's global footprint, uh, which he successfully did with the NBA uh, during his tenure there. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, Sweep my ideas for what else I could cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at cnl.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Twitter, on, on iTunes, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you're subscribed and leave a review or at the very least tell a friend any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all that will be in our show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com or intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at a Tech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on.